Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. The landscape in Arizona is changing. So is its political climate. For decades, Arizona had a reputation as being a conservative haven. It introduced the country to politicians like Barry Goldwater and John McCain, hardliners like Jan Brewer and Joe Arpaio also. But Arizona's population continues to grow. And the influx of new residents is changing our state's politics. With the ever-changing landscape of Arizona's electorate, our state is looking more like one of those battleground states that presidential candidates will covet. Once a reliably red state, Arizona has become increasingly purple. In fact, NBC News named Arizona one of the top three states to watch during the upcoming election. 2020 could invite another blue wave in Arizona. While Republicans still outnumber Democrats in the state, recent polls indicate the potential for a shift to the left. I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez, a national political reporter for the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national political reporter for the Republic. As the hosts of The Gaggle, an Arizona politics podcast, we're really curious about how the purple trend in Arizona is playing out across the state. What issues are most important to voters in each congressional district? What are their thoughts on the upcoming election? To find out, we're visiting each of the state's nine congressional districts. Through November, you'll hear from voters across the state before they cast their votes. Today, we're exploring Arizona's fourth congressional district. It's the state's most Republican-leaning congressional district and is represented by Paul Gosar. A former dentist, Gosar has made headlines recently for touting conspiracy theories, ranging from suggesting the 2018 Arizona Senate race was stolen by Democrats using ballot fraud in Maricopa County, and questioning whether liberal activist George Soros was a Nazi collaborator as a youth. It's because we've written about these and other dalliances with the fringe that Dr. Gosar declined speaking to us. But he's got a fan in one CD4 resident who did. Uh, Congressman Gosar has done a fabulous job for him, and he's got our our faith and support. Uh, Fourth of July here in Prescott, Arizona, our parade was canceled, and he spent the whole date down there at the county uh, square. And that man has such tenacity and uh, fortitude, he was listening to everybody that would talk to him. And I watched him, I walked up to him and I said, how do you do it? He said, Selena, you just gotta listen to everyone. People deserve to be listened to. That's Selena Bliss. Other than the four years she attended Arizona State University, Bliss has lived in the district her whole life. She's also a lifelong Republican and a former candidate for the state legislature. And she'll be our guide for today's episode instead of Congressman Gosar. So I've been a nurse for 36 years. 
the last 25 of those teaching at a local community college in nursing. So I have fairly deep roots in Prescott as well as Arizona, CD4, uh, which covers several legislative districts. CD4 covers most of Western Arizona. It also includes North Central Arizona, including most of Yavapai County, and wraps itself around Phoenix from the east. Selena said that CD4 is truly designed to be a rural district. What makes us unique and stand apart, I believe, is our fierce independence and our conservatism. Uh, We'll see a lot of red districts here, a lot of activism when it comes to the Republican Party. Selena said that employment looks different depending on where in the district you're looking. The Lake Havasu side, you've got a lot of retirees, but tourism is huge in that area. In Prescott, Selena said there's a large retiree population, but there's also a large portion of the population that works in education. After all, Prescott is home to Prescott College, Yavapai College, and other educational programs. The city has also seen an influx of Republicans from California. To literally flee from the socialistic policies that they've experienced in California. And they tell some horror stories of what's happened to their tax structure, their economy, um, their lifestyle. And we don't want that here. And that's why they come to us for protection and then do integrate well into the Arizona lifestyle. But we have to protect that. And that's why I think in rural Arizona, we're more sensitive to what we we hear and see coming from the outside in. Sue Donahue is a 69-year-old retiree. She's the president of the Lake Havasu Republican Women's Group. She also feels that socialism is a threat to the district and the country as a whole. It takes away our freedom to earn and keep our income. It it taxes us to death and um It's not good for us as a nation. Our nation was not founded as a socialist nation. You know, it's it's a republic and we're capitalists and we need to remain so. Billy Orr echoed such statements. Billy is a 71-year-old Republican. She's also the mayor pro tem of the city of Prescott. Billy said that keeping taxes low is incredibly important for the cost of living and the overall economy in CD4. One of the issues is as you talk about raising revenue, uh, for example, there was the issue of maybe raising gas tax. And then the problem becomes it's harder for people that have to drive in from Chino Valley or they live out in Paulden and they're coming into town uh, and they have jobs in town. You know, that that makes their cost of living even go higher. So it, it is important for us to try to keep down the cost. But what other issues are important to voters in CD4? The district also includes Yuma, which is known for its agricultural output. Selena said that both tourism and agriculture, two major industries in rural Arizona, are reliant on water. But that's increasingly becoming a larger topic in recent years. Yeah, water's actually a sensitive issue. You know, Mark Twain said uh, water's or, or he said, whiskey's for drinking, water's for fighting, and that's never been more true than here in rural Arizona. Selena mentioned a particular incident outside of Kingman. Growers from Saudi Arabia were using land there to cultivate wheat. That wheat was then shipped back to Saudi Arabia to feed livestock. But the growers were well-funded. 
They had equipment that could tap into groundwater in a way that the average rural farmer could not. The Arizona Republic's Ian James and Rob O'Dell covered this issue extensively last year. All of that drained the water table. So much so that um, they're looking at their 100-year assured water supply and it's not looking like 100 years, it's looking more like 50 years at this point. Because of this, voters in the area are extremely plugged into water policy. This includes monitoring any sort of legislation that addresses rural versus commercial versus agricultural policies. A dyed-in-the-wool red county, the Second Amendment's right to bear arms is important to voters. Selena pointed out that Yavapai and Mojave counties are Second Amendment sanctuary counties. That means they've passed measures to prevent any restrictions on the Second Amendment. So any laws or federal implications of affecting our Second Amendment rights, um, we watch for that very closely. We're fiercely independent up here in rural Arizona. When it comes to COVID-19, the response in the district has varied. Because CD4 falls into multiple counties, it didn't have an across-the-board policy when it comes to wearing masks. For instance, Yavapai County in the eastern part of the district did have a mask requirement, but Mojave County, over in the western part, did not. We've been able to make independent decisions based on case rates in different parts of the district. And I think that's important not to make blanket rules that cover an entire district when you have such variances in cases and death rates throughout the district. For her part, Selena says she's confident in the way her district has monitored the Arizona Department of Health Services data about the pandemic. Billy is of the same opinion. Everyone's been very respectful. Uh, There's a lot of social distancing. Uh, We've never uh, felt the need to actually mandate masks. You know, we certainly told folks to be respectful of others and stay home if you're sick, wash your hands. Uh, make sure that you're um, respectful of the rights of others, but we never felt the need to mandate masks. However, the pandemic hit Indigenous communities particularly hard. And that's because, in part, due to the lack of infrastructure that exists in many places. Many people don't have access to electricity or even running water, making it difficult to store food or to have water to drink. This has made sheltering in place not just difficult, but an impossibility at times. Uh, When COVID hit the uh, reservation, the tribal lands, it hit their economy and their people very, very hard when it came to their, their case rate, their death rate. So there was a cooperative move to work together throughout the uh, district uh, to lower the COVID rates and supply PPE. So that was an example of a partnership, if you will. Uh, But then there are sometimes issues that we don't agree on when it comes to tribal land and uh, the rest of the states. That would be taxation, um, how we run the different economies and such. We asked Selena what the district needs from Congress as it tries to recover economically and health-wise from the pandemic. First and foremost, economic opportunity. If we have a strong economy, everything else follows. I think about healthcare and education. Education certainly has taken a hit when it comes to the infrastructure to present 
curriculum online versus hybrid versus face-to-face. She also said there's a need for supporting small businesses. She said a lot of small business owners are fearful of reopening their shops. They're worried about liability lawsuits should they reopen and an employee or customers become sick. Billy, the mayor pro tem of Prescott, shared the same concerns. And, and restaurants have been the ones that have been affected the most because we rely heavily on tourism. And um, so, But we have worked as a community to come together to support our bars. There's a, a fundraising effort on to support our bars. Billy also said that the cities and the county have worked together to create parklets or mini parks. This way, restaurants can serve patrons outdoors while indoor dining is limited to 25%. So we're trying to give them more space outdoors um, to, to help them. But we've done, I believe we've done really quite well in the face of COVID. Another concern among voters is the basic ability among tribal residents to be able to vote by mail. Lorraine Coyne is a 63-year-old retired postal service worker. She's Hopi, and she lives in Navajo County. And she's a bit of a rarity. She's a Democrat in the district. She's concerned about the ability to register elderly Indigenous voters because of the possibility of a language barrier. And it's hard for me to communicate with them because, of course, I'm not Navajo, so it's, um, we need interpreters to help us um, um, get the message out that um, to, to vote in November because it is important that we all, you know, vote for the president of our choice. But that's just the first step. Lorraine is also worried about the ability for those who live on tribal lands to vote by mail. It's a common theme as of late, given President Donald Trump's cutbacks of the U.S. Postal Service. And of course, you know, um, with this pandemic coming down, um, a lot of them are requesting um, early voting uh, ballots and then just mailing them from their households. And um, so so uh, that's that's basically what um, my my biggest concern is. And uh, hopefully this uh, pandemic will have, um, you know, at least dwindle down enough so where we can at at least some of us that are not under early voting can go to the um, polling places to vote. Selena said that she noticed her Netflix DVDs arriving a little later than usual. However, she said that most of CD4 is on the permanent early voting list. That means they should start to receive mail-in ballots in October. Overall, Selena was confident in that system. I would invite the rest of Arizona and the nation to look at Yavapai County's election system. We have a a very good system run by Leslie Hoffman up here. She runs a very tight ship when it comes to voting security. There's a lot of confidence here in our district when it comes to voting and getting the ballots in because we have a very tight system that's well watched by um, our voting public. So how will CD4 vote in November? Odds are, the district will swing pretty conservative. Billy, for instance, feels that she's receiving quality representation right now from Senator Martha McSally and Congressman Paul Gosar, especially during the pandemic. I, I have very fortunately, I'm very fortunate. I have both of their cell phones and I have called them and just said, you know, we need this help. And they are so responsive. That's one of the great things about a rural community. You do feel really connected to your representation. 
Selena agreed. While there are criticisms of Congressman Gosar, including criticisms about his response to COVID-19, Selena feels that the majority of people in the district are satisfied with his representation. As far as feeling represented, we have to look at the voice of the vote. Who are people at the end of the day casting their precious vote for? And you can see in elections that Congressman Gosar has a lot of support amongst our voters. Of course, there are voters like Democrat Lorraine Coyne in the mix. Lorraine will be part of a small but mighty contingent of voters who will try to make the district as purple as possible. Although Lorraine feels she's being represented fairly by Congressman Gosar, she doesn't trust the Trump administration. She feels the presidential election is a matter of great urgency, as she does not believe the current administration supports indigenous communities or people of color. When you um, look at it, it seems like all the Native American lands are getting smaller and smaller. Every year, you know, they're taking away so much of our land that we just need somebody to be there to fight for what's rightfully ours. We just need somebody that is going to be very um, vocal and um, not be afraid, you know, to, to push for us on issues or help us, you know, curb some of these issues out here on um, Native lands, not only Hopi, but on Native lands all over the um, United States. But again, not everyone in the highly conservative district feels that way. Sue Donahue, with the Lake Havasu Republican Women's Group, feels as though President Trump is doing a great job. In this particular election cycle, I believe that the only party and the only person that can get our economy back on track is President Trump. Well, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts. This is a heavily red district. It's voted for Gosar several times in the past. Ron, what are the odds that it will move on from him? Um, to put it bluntly, it's pretty unlikely. Uh, this is Arizona's safest enclave for conservatives. Kelly Ward, the state Republican Party chair, is from this district, and it's been very friendly territory for Dr. Gosar and President Trump. Um, but Yvonne, Senator Martha McSally seems to spend a lot of energy reaching out to voters in that district. Why is that? We have seen her spend quite a bit of time there this this cycle, and I think it's very broadly because she's just not taking anything for granted this time around. She really needs to shore up uh, the conservative base around her, which includes many people in Congressional District 4. Um, she may be trying to uh, persuade folks who might be uncomfortable with her, feel as though she's not uh, conservative enough. And she's going up there, she's talking about uh, the vote she's taken in the Senate and her positions. Um uh, how her positions fall right in line with uh, President Donald Trump's vast on the vast majority of of issues, and so I think we can expect to see her continue to shore up the base in CD four and other heavily red uh, areas as she barrels towards November. All right, well that is it for today, Gaggle listeners. Thanks so much for listening to our special episode on Congressional District Four. We'll be visiting each congressional district throughout the state leading up to the election. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss a single episode. 
And while we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Katie O'Connell with help from Maritza Dominguez and Taylor Seeley. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.